Our text for this morning's sermon is from Zephaniah chapter 1, picking up in verse 7 and going all the way through to chapter 2, verse 3. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7 through Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice... I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near, and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind. So that they shall walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy all the earth shall be consumed, for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. As we look around the world and as we look back at human history, we see many cases of pure evil being uh, perpetrated by men against men, by people against other people. And if we looked back and if we were able to see all the evil that has occurred throughout all of human history, it would surely be too overwhelming for us. Even brief snippets of this evil, if we consider tyrants, and oppressive regimes. If you look back just at Nazi Germany, for example, or other tyrants, it is too much for the human mind to bear at times. But God on his throne sees all the evil that has ever been committed, and he will act, and he will judge, and he will call to account everyone who has rebelled against him, broken his law, and committed evil against others. And the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, will set all things right. And now we continue looking at Zephaniah here in verse 7, picking up with this 
prophecy, this preaching from Zephaniah about the day of the Lord. And we'll look at this, uh, this passage in three parts. Verses 7 through 13, verses 13 through 18, and then verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. So first look at verses 7 through 13 with me here as we consider this section from Zephaniah. Part 1, verses 7 through 13, I have titled this section, Business as Usual, No More. Business as Usual, No More. We get very comfortable with the pattern of our lives. We get into routines. We come to expect things to continue as they have in the past. And one of the distinguishing marks of God's judgment, in fact, of the day of the Lord, is that it will utterly upend everything. Everything that we have known will be completely upended. Business as usual will be no more on that day. In Noah's day, everything was business as usual until the flood came, until God's judgment came. Jesus, commenting on those days, said, In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. With all the busyness of life, there is a need for us to stop. And as Zephaniah says in verse 7, stand in silence. Be silent before the Lord. To stand in silence in the presence of the sovereign God who will bring judgment on all the wicked. In verses 7 through 13 then, we see that when God's judgment comes, business as usual is disrupted. And this happens on a smaller scale when God brings judgment on a nation via the military might of another nation. We see this throughout scripture and we see this in history. But it will happen on the grandest scale on that final day of the Lord. One study Bible notes that the entire passage here from verse 7 all the way through 18 must be seen as one vast event. Some aspects would be fulfilled in Jerusalem's fall in 586 B.C. Others would be repeated in various historical epochs, such as the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., until the whole prophecy is fulfilled at the end of time. So this passage here ultimately finds its fulfillment on the final day of judgment at the end of history. But there are applications of it throughout history, as God brought judgment on his people in 586, as he brought judgment on Jerusalem again in 70 AD, and any time God brings judgment on a nation, we experience these things. There are three things in this section of verse 7 through 13 that will be disrupted on the day of the Lord, and also that are disrupted on the smaller days of the Lord. Three things. Number one, the political realm. Number two, the realm of commerce. And number three, comfort and ease. So very briefly, look at verse 8. We see the political realm is disrupted. On that day, the Lord, the day of the Lord's sacrifice, he says, I will punish the officials and the king's sons, all who array themselves in foreign attire. The political realm will be disrupted. Those who are ruling and reigning over men will be brought to an end. All their machinations, all their plans, all that they have fought for and strive for and deceived for will be brought to nothing. Next, we see in verse 11 that the realm of commerce will be disrupted. God will bring an end to the successful business of the merchants and traders. For all the traders are no more. 
All who weigh out silver are cut off. And finally, in verse 12, we see that comfort and ease will flee from the people. In verse 12, we read that the Lord will search out those who are complacent in their sin, those who casually reflect that God isn't going to bless them or curse them. God will bring an end to their complacency. Now, these three things, among other things, political, realm, commerce, and comfort and ease, are all disrupted when God brings judgment. And we see this in history, of course, any time a nation is invaded. Think about France, for example, being invaded by Nazi Germany in World War II. The political realm was utterly disrupted, right? No, the, the French government was completely toppled and restructured according to Nazi desires. Businesses and commerce suffered as an uh, oppressive invading enemy came in and took over the infrastructure of the nation. And of course, the comfort and ease of life was completely upended by the invaders. That is what happens anytime you have a small-scale judgment. But when God brings the final judgment on the earth, it will be to a completely, uh, completely other level. Verse 13 then highlights how those things that are held so dear to us, material things, will be swept away. Look at verse 13. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. This is one of the most disappointing experiences in life. Something you work hard for, spend weeks, months, years planning for, working for, is swept away in an instant. And people who have lived through natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, they understand this. They understand what it means to lose a material thing that you have worked so hard for in a moment. But this reality happens at a far deeper level, a far deeper level and spiritual level level when it comes to God's final judgment. All that lost sinners have lived for will be lost. All that they've lived for and worked for will be gone. All that they have built, and this is not merely physical things, not merely their homes or their businesses, but everything that they've aspired for, their relationships, their visions, their life, if it has not been done for Christ, it will all be lost. There's only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. All that the wicked, all that the wicked do, all that they live for and strive for is completely and utterly meaningless and lost apart from Christ. It will all be swept away. It will all be swept away on that day if they are outside of Christ. Well, part two in our section today, verse 14 through 18, is a day of wrath. The great day of the Lord is near and hastening fast. In these verses, verse 14 through 18, we have one of the most poignant, poetic images of the final day of judgment that will come on sinners outside of Christ. It will be a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The imagery is dark, ominous, foreboding. And it is interesting to consider in verse 18, where it says, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. It is almost a direct quote from Proverbs 11:4, where we read, riches do not profit on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. 
or at least a direct reference to that passage. All the riches in the world cannot deliver you, cannot deliver you from God's wrath. But it is not just physical riches, material riches that cannot save you. We can seek to be rich in other things, rich in popularity, rich in our own good works, but none of those riches can deliver you from God's wrath. The Proverbs passage tells us that only righteousness delivers from death. Only righteousness delivers from death. Only the righteousness of Jesus can pay the debt that you owe on that final day of judgment. Nothing else can deliver you from the day of the wrath of the Lord other than the righteousness of Jesus. The day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord, will be a day of wrath. There is a hymn from about 700 years ago that captures the sentiment of this passage and the overall theme of the day of wrath that will be the day of the Lord. Let me read this hymn to you, of course translated into English from the Latin, entitled Day of Wrath. Again, this is from about 700 years ago. That day of wrath, that dreadful day, shall heaven and earth in ashes lay, as David and the Sibyl say. What horror must invade the mind when the approaching judge shall find and sift the deeds of all mankind. The mighty trumpet's wondrous tone shall rend each tomb's sepulchral stone and summon all before the throne. Now death and nature with surprise behold the trembling sinners rise to meet the judge's searching eyes. Then shall with universal dread the book of consciences be read to judge the lives of all the dead. For now before the judge severe, all hidden things must plain appear. No crime can pass unpunished here. Oh, what shall I so guilty plead? And who for me will intercede when even saints shall comfort need? O King of dreadful majesty, grace and mercy you grant free. As fount of kindness, save me. Recall, dear Jesus, for my sake, you did our suffering nature take. Then do not now my soul forsake. In weariness you sought for me, in suffering upon the tree. Let not in vain such labor be. O judge of justice, here I pray, for pity take my sins away before the dreadful reckoning day. Your gracious face, O Lord, I seek. Deep shame and grief are on my cheek. In sighs and tears my sorrows speak. You who did Mary's guilt unbind and mercy for the robber find have filled with hope my anxious mind. How worthless are my prayers, I know. Yet, Lord, forbid that I should go into the fires of endless woe. Divorced from the accursed band, O make me with your sheep to stand as a child of grace at your right hand. When the doomed can no more flee from the fires of misery, with the chosen call me. Before you, humbled Lord, I lie, my heart like ashes, crushed and dry. Assist me when I die. Full of tears and full of dread is that day that wakes the dead, calling all with solemn blast to be judged for all their past. Lord, have mercy, Jesus blessed. Grant them all your light and rest.
Amen. A very sobering hymn, speaking of the very sobering reality of God's judgment that will come on all, and only those who are found in Christ will be delivered from that judgment. All those who have callously and wantonly committed high-handed sins and all those who have sinned in their heart against the Lord will be called to account. And it will be a dreadful and terrible day for those who are not found in Christ. We cannot overestimate the woe and devastation of that final day of judgment. Finally, the final section of our passage this morning is Zephaniah chapter 2, 1 through 3. I've entitled that section, Before the Day Passes Away Like Chaff, from verse 2. In these verses, we come to a twist, or perhaps an unexpected pause, in the fierce judgment that is being prophesied against the people. There is a brief respite from the judgment, and behold, there is an opportunity to repent and be hidden in the great day of wrath. The tone up to this point has been grim and dark. But at this moment, we reach the eye of the storm, if you will. All is calm for a moment. Here is the one opportunity to find shelter from what is coming. Leland Riken notes, Just when there seems to be no possibility of escape, a door opens in the form of a formal summons, and the, uh, the summons to repent and be kept from harm on the day of the Lord. Just at the last moment, there is an opening and a call to repent. The great danger of the lost is found in verse 2. This is the danger. Before the day passes away like chaff, they must repent. Before the day passes away like chaff, they must repent. Chaff is the husks of the seed that is separated during the threshing. And the chaff would be quickly blown away in the wind forever lost and scattered across the landscape. The chaff is gone in an instant. This is like saying that the time to repent will soon be blown away like dust in the wind. Kansas is, the the band Kansas had a a song in 1977 called Dust in the Wind. And many things in that song were right, but not everything. The song opens like this. I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes, a curiosity. Dust in the wind, all they are is dust in the wind. How soon will our lives, this brief moment in time, be gone like dust in the wind? That was an accurate representation of how fleeting our lives are. The song also got it right when it said, All your money won't another minute buy. We cannot add a single moment to our lives by our most zealous efforts. Where the song got it wrong, however, is where it says this. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. And that, of course, is not true. We will all last forever in heaven or hell. And the fleeting nature of our lives should not cause us to say, well... It doesn't matter, let us live how we wish, because soon we'll be dead, but rather should cause us to pause and consider that now is our brief moment to repent before our lives are swept away like dust in the wind and we stand before the great judge on Judgment Day. 
Our, our lives, our souls will last forever, but we have a brief moment to repent. And how we respond during that brief moment of time, during that dust in the wind, will make all the difference for eternity. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And Charles Spurgeon, commenting on that passage in 2 Corinthians, noted this, The great mischief of the lost is that they procrastinate. It is not that they resolve to be damned, but that they resolve to be saved tomorrow. It is not that they reject Christ forever, but they reject Christ today. Lost sinners are under the wrath of God, he says. He continues, they stand condemned now. Some claim they do not feel prepared to make a decision at this time, as if living another month in sin would make them more prepared to believe. Others may say their heart feels hard. Nothing in the word of God, Spurgeon says, leads us to believe we can in any way soften our own hearts. This is a mighty work of grace. Hearts that have been exposed to the gospel and rejected it will certainly grow harder in the course of time, not softer. The text says now is the acceptable time. It does not say there is an acceptable time lasting through a period of weeks, months, or years. So Spurgeon is warning us and telling us the great danger from sinners is not that they resolve to be damned, but they put off repentance and salvation. They put it off, hardening their heart. But the day will pass away like chaff, Zephaniah tells us. And we are to respond now while there is time before that day is blown away and lost forever. This is an extremely loving and kind offer from God. Sadly, many people will refuse it because they are bothered by the fact that he is God and we are guilty sinners in need of such an offer. It is our pride that will keep us from repenting, our pride and our love of sin. We rest complacent, as though Zephaniah warned in verse 12 of chapter 1, we rest complacent that God will not judge, God will not call us to account, but... He will, and it will be a day of anger and wrath and darkness and devastation and gloom. And if you do not take the moment that God gives you, this brief moment that you don't know if you have another, to repent and believe in Jesus, when that day comes, you will find yourself outside of Christ with no protection. You will not be hidden from God's anger and wrath on that day. So heed Zephaniah's call. Before the day passes away like chaff, seek the Lord. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word and your gracious warning to us that if we do not repent, if we do not seek you, we will not be hidden on that great day of wrath and we will be judged for all the evil and wicked that we have done. And Lord, while it is a comforting thing to know that you will call to account everyone who has committed sin, who has committed evil against others, we know that if we are not found in Christ, then that judgment will come straight down upon us as well. Soften our hearts. 
And we pray, Lord, that your word would have its work in our hearts and that we would repent and flee from the wrath to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.